0: Bing bong, I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, but a little programming note, I was supposed to have Samson Mao on the podcast today, he's a little sick so I'm going to have him on Tuesday of next week, I'm going to have a two-parter next week with two big guests, so stay tuned, Uh, but in the meantime, I have Justin who is uh, just working in the energy field overall, very knowledgeable about Bitcoin mining. I had him live in person on the podcast when he was in Tampa for this Sound Money Sound Food event. So we had a great conversation all about mining, um, just kind of like the overall industry. You know, SEC regulations were just kind of starting at that time. So we kind of dive into that, uh, some of the tea leaves and everything else. But first, big shout out to my sponsors, Pleb Lab. So... If you haven't been to Pleb Lab and you're going to Austin sometime soon, you need to check it out. You just need to go in there. It's the best hacker space in the business. All the plebs, the plebeians, they're all hanging out in there, doing uh, great stuff, building some excellent projects. Get yourself a Nomad Pass. It's $100 a month. You can go into whenever you want. You get access to all the private events. And during BitBlock Boom, they're going to have a lot of private events, a lot of stuff going on. So come in the week a little bit before and uh come hop in and plug lab It'll definitely be worth the money. I promise you that. And if you're going to BitBlock Boom, use promo code green candle for 10% off your entire purchase. That's right. I will be there. I'll be doing a lot of man on the street videos. You saw them during the Canadian Bitcoin conference. So, come find me, come say hi, and uh go to BitBlock Boom. There's going to have a- an amazing lineup of speakers. Uh, Jack Mollers is always there. A lot of the big names, a lot of the big people that you want to see. Uh, it's more intimate than Miami. You get to you know, interact with a lot of people. You see Odell walking around, Marty Bent's going to be around, You know, a lot of the people that are in Austin. So be sure to check that out and use promo code GREENCANDLE to save 10% on your entire order. Now, let's get into the show with Justin. But as always, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, this is not financial advice. Everything you hear in this podcast, strictly the opinion of Justin and myself. Now let's go. Whoosh. What's up, everybody? We're live here with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast where I got my buddy Justin, who's in town for the sound money, sound food, I guess, uh, what what were we calling it? Like a festival event? I don't know. For a here. Dinner
1: party.
0: Yeah. Dinner party. I don't know. Here at Bitcoin Bay. So Justin, how are you doing today?
1: great great yeah it was an awesome time last night glad i came and super cool uh seeing what you guys are up to down here
0: thanks man i i really appreciate that yeah wes and all the guys down here they're they're really grinding away so uh but for those who don't know yet why don't you give us a little bit about your background and uh yeah why you came down here to to, to tampa for all this man yeah well i've never been to tampa before
1: and i'd always wanted to be and uh, i wanted to come and this just seemed like a great opportunity to support a local meetup, doing really great work, uh, meet you guys in person. That's always great. I think it's really important for Bitcoiners to get out there and uh, meet each other in real life, whether it's a conference or a meetup. And so uh, all those kind of came together. I was already on the road traveling, so I figured, why not come down, support you guys, meet you guys. And and the Tampa's beautiful uh, this time of year. So really excited about that. Uh, my background is in uh, electric utility industry, um, I was focused on in- renewable integration, new technology integration, electrification and transportation. So all the all the new technologies coming on the grid that the customers are adopting and, and um, trying to integrate them onto the grid to maintain reliability and to make sure everyone's paying their fair share and, and all that. And then uh, started looking at Bitcoin mining, recognizing how powerful of a resource it was Uh, in terms of demand response uh, from a customer perspective. And from there, it's just been really trying to educate the utilities uh, on on how Bitcoin mining as a technology, as an industry, really can, can do a lot of the heavy lifting of what they've been trying to accomplish. I mean, that's what I was focused on was like, how can we engage customers to manage their smart thermostats so that on the hottest days or the coldest days of the year, we can We can tell them to maybe turn off their heat or turn off their air conditioning and to maintain reliability on the system, which in retrospect seems kind of crazy. It doesn't. And who wants to do that? Uh, Or maybe they can't charge their electric car, uh, which is also probably a bad idea. Um, And and instead, instead, what we can do is we can use Bitcoin mining to fill in the gaps. Bitcoin mining doesn't really care if it shuts off at 6 a.m. in January on the coldest day of the year or 7pm in July on one of the hottest days of the year and they don't mind if they're shut off for half an hour or four hours or even a whole weekend. I mean, obviously they have business models, but operating within those parameters is well within their business models. And so that's been my focus. And now I've left the electric utility industry and I'm working now uh, with Standard Power commercial director focused on building out one of the largest Bitcoin mining campuses in Conesville, Ohio. Ohio is a great state to mine. Texas is cool. But uh, Ohio is even cooler in terms of temperature, <laughs> uh, no dust, great political environment. Uh, they've got competitive electric rates. And so really excited to be focused there. And then just seeing, you know, the last aspect I'd touch on is, um, you know, we're doing these, these large scale industry build outs, uh, standard power, but other miners as well in rural America, where industry, maybe what used to be there, but now it's gone. Maybe it's been gone for 20 years, five years, doesn't matter. It hasn't come back. Bitcoin mining is the one unique technology and industry that can show up and and provide industry back to these rural communities, provide tax base, provide hope. And so that's a whole nother aspect of what's happening right now. That's just uh, really exciting for me. So that's my day job now. And then, um, you know,
0: being a Bitcoiner and meeting guys like you is uh, is the icing on the cake. Yeah, man, that's awesome stuff. But let's re- rewind it a little bit because you were in the uh, you know the energy space and everything like that, and then it seems like you found Bitcoin some way, shape, or form, and kind of related it to to mining, but uh, and like the energy distribution, all that kind of stuff. But tell us the orange pill story, man. How did you uh, how did you find it? Was it something that I don't know your background in the energy kind of aspect did it or was it something you're like, hey, inflation's kicking my ass, so I gotta, you know, figure out a way to make some more money or what?
1: Yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't quite that enlightened, uh, you know. So just real quick, I was renting out my guest house in Tucson, Arizona, back in 2013 to a psychology PhD running experiments on undergrads that were depressed, and at some point. <laughs> He, he, he tried to explain to me how he was uh, mining Bitcoin in my guest house. And, you know, as the story goes for all of us, right, we wish we had paid more attention. Um, but, you know, fast forward, a friend taps you on the shoulder here and there. And then finally, in 2020, uh, Thanksgiving time frame, uh, I was like, all right, this guy has tapped me on the shoulder one more time. I'm tired of having my story be... Well, I don't know about it. And then five years later, I still don't know about it. So I promised myself my neck, you know, in five years, I'm going to have a different story. Then I still don't know what's going on. So I bought a little bit. And then, of course, I did the shitcoin thing, too. Uh, we've all done it, I suppose. Um, and so that was Thanksgiving time frame, just getting, you know, personal. I got some some extra money. Let's see what's going on here. And then it wasn't too long after, I think, uh, January of 2021, I was listening to the Orange Bill podcast with Max and Stacy, and they were talking about Bitcoin mining, being able to go out to the the oil wells and do the capture of the stranded methane. And uh, I started to think of all the uh, uh, interconnection backlogs that we had with our solar, our utility scale solar in North Carolina. And I knew about it in other places, too, whether it was negative pricing with solar and wind. And in my, you know, and I, I know a lot of this, you know, it wasn't unique, but in my mind, it clicked like, okay, this, these are also examples of stranded energy, right? Like that 80 megawatt solar farm that wants to interconnect but can't because of limits on transmission and distribution. That is a version of stranded energy, stranded energy and Bitcoin mining can almost certainly show up there and solve that problem as well. And so it really started that's when it started really quick for me in terms of the mining as a grid resource. And and then just, you know, I went and I because of my job at the utility, I could pull up customer load data and I pulled up one of our mining uh, customers, one of our larger ones on the grid and had them show me what they could do. Demand response wise and saw what they were doing and just it was like, holy cow, this is <laughs> if we could design a customer to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish, this is it. And, um, so that's when I really started to incorporate my exploration of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining in my day job. And they kind of went hand in hand from there. And, uh, so I think, you know, just to to tie it up for me, it was maybe a lot, um, maybe I had a quicker sort of conviction. Uh, you know, I, I, I just became, okay, this is Bitcoin's real. I, I'm starting to understand it. Maybe not quite, but like. The Bitcoin mining industry, seeing the infrastructure that's being built out, seeing the millions of dollars of, of uh, electricity being used and, and just recognizing how large and real the industry was it, was, it was very easy for me to recognize that Bitcoin wasn't going anywhere. It was, it was very real. And and it had all this potential, all this promise, even from a physics and an economics perspective on the electric grid, not to mention, you know, separating money from state, providing property rights to the global south and everyone on the globe, uh, having instantaneous settlement uh, anywhere in the world as a bearer instrument. Um, you know, just all those things crashed together and uh, haven't looked back.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's great stuff. I, but I think like, you know, everybody kind of has their their way into Bitcoin. And, you know, whether it's, I don't know, through remittance payments, maybe they have some some relatives in another country and they've always kind of struggled with that. So that strikes a nerve with them. Or it's like you with the energy aspect of things. Like they have a career in energy. They say like, hey, you know, at the very least this could help like balance a grid and help with that. Then it kind of start, strikes a nerve and then you dig a little bit deeper. So I think it's like really interesting that, you know, you, you found it that way. And, and you, you had somebody in your guest house, yeah. you know, even mining for you, uh, mining for themselves. I'd love to know and,
1: what island he owns. Yeah,
0: I know. Exactly. He's not the
1: type of person that would have lost
0: his keys. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. That's, that's awesome stuff. But uh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. can I just add one thing to that too, because um, it wasn't necessarily why I found Bitcoin, but, you know, back in the, the great financial crisis, you know, 2007, 2008, I was actually just getting started as a hippie, like mining (laughs) or uh, installing rooftop solar. And, you know, I remember uh, telling the owner of the company, I was like, I just want to see it all collapse. Like I had this huge aversion. I never wanted to be, I didn't want to participate at all in the stock market. I didn't want to participate at all. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know why it was wrong. I certainly didn't recognize what a solution might be, but yeah, that was, that was always something for me. You know, and, and I regret it. I missed out on the entire like Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Netflix, you know, uh, stock stock. Uh, and I missed out on the first 10 years of Bitcoin, too. But or most of them. Uh, so, you know, in retrospect, now, I recognize that all that angst and, and aversion that I had to what I just considered, you know, Wall Street um, really was just, you know, I, I didn't like I knew there was something wrong with, with the system in general. And I didn't like it, and now I recognize. Okay, what was wrong was the money. This is why I didn't like it. I was right to not like it, but I just didn't recognize exactly what it was. And now it's crystal clear to me. And obviously, you take it the one step further. You say, "Well, what's the solution?" Obviously, the solution is Bitcoin. And so I feel like I'm kind of coming at peace with myself finally because you know I, I never solved that. Like things just got better. You know, the crisis, the crisis ended, whatever, and things just sort of moved along. But now, now I'm so excited to have put all those pieces together just into one nice little orange package.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, too, that that the guy that was mining Bitcoin was kind of, I guess, uh, you know, researching depressed kids. Because I think, you know, sure. you know, a lot Hopefully of he was people
1: trying to orange them too. Right? Yeah,
0: I mean, but I think like, you know, you, you have a very similar story to a lot of people where, they understand something's wrong, right? I mean, I feel like especially like, you know, our generation here, it's like the hustle economy, the gig economy has kind of big a been a big thing where people are like, you know what, I'm gonna go to my nine to five, then I'm gonna drive Uber. And like now inflation is so bad they're they're having to do that to survive. So they hate their job, they have no loyalty, and people are like, why are all these kids jumping from job to job to job to make you know ten or fifteen thousand dollars more? where like you know the growth trajectory they have
1: to yeah. yeah
0: and it's out of need right because inflation is so crazy and you know our, our purchasing power is just getting devalued and i mean like you know if you earning power right yeah. like, you don't hear that a
1: lot the purchasing power implies that you've got the dollars in your pocket or your bank account your earning power though is the other side of the equation that's where the dollars come from in the first place and when you have a salary that's fixed you know that that also is being like down into the right with uh with inflation. Yeah, it's just you don't have them yet, but
0: <laughs> yeah, and prices of things change like daily or weekly or whatever. You know, like we, we've heard about the eggs, we've heard about gas. You know, everybody's kind of taking that into account, but your salary is the same for like the entire year, unless you're like uh, yeah, at home. least yeah, at least yeah, and like usually these companies too are like all right, three percent raise. Yeah. You know, and then it's you know, it's it's kind of like a difficult position that you're in. And I feel like that's kind of a big reason why people are, you know, just mentally, you know, you see, like, the depression rates kind uh, of up, right? I mean, like, psychologists are probably making a fucking killing right now. Not because, to mention
1: they're being pumped full of poison. Yeah, right? exactly, so like right?
0: I mean, yeah, we, we were just on the sound <laughs> money, sound food uh, thing. Right. So, I mean, like, the whole entire food industry is fucked. And then on top of that, you know, you're buying – you're getting more expensive food for less nutrition – and then your money just doesn't go as far as it possibly can. So you're going to be working. You got to stay at home more often. You're not going to be able to go out and socialize. So I think like, you know, just all to wrap it up, like money obviously touches so many different aspects, which is a crazy thing about, you know, once Bitcoin, once you see it and you understand like, holy shit, this is, this is what has been wrong with the world for so long. But you're, you're always wondering like why, you know, like, I feel like you, you don't really have that light bulb moment until you have until you see Bitcoin because that's just been the status quo that you've known for 20 something odd years while you were growing up, you know? And then, or maybe if you're lucky enough, you find Bitcoin when you're in your, your teenage years or something like that. But, you know, I think now people just don't really understand, you know, where Bitcoin or what Bitcoin is, one, and like what is wrong with the world. And they want to kind of ignore it because of, the volatility, they're seeing things like, you know, FTX, BlockFi, uh, Binance, like all you name it. And then there's also like kind of some negative connotations when it comes to the government, which is what I want to jump into next. Um, you know, obviously we have you know, Janet Yellen all these other politicians kind of coming out. But the one I want to dive into you about is like that Texas bill. Luckily, it didn't get passed, but. They were essentially trying to limit the amount of Bitcoin miners that we had, uh, you know, stabilizing the grid and everything else. So why do you think that there's like that, I guess, negative connotation when it comes to Bitcoin mining when, you know, you as an energy guy, I mean, it seems like it's obvious to to me as just like an outside guy that, uh, you know, just, I, I guess it's just observing the grid. Like, sure, I have an engineering background, but I'm not in the, you know, energy field and got my hands deep in it like you. So. Why do you think that there's like politicians attempting to fight the mining stabilizations of grids and those kind of things as well? Yeah, yeah. Why? That's a great
1: question. You know, especially if you look back, even though as recent as this past Christmas with the winter storm that blanketed most of the continental U.S., you saw what was what was almost certainly the largest demand response event from a single industry at a single time. Uh, Some of it coordinated, some of it uncoordinated. With Bitcoin mining shutting off anywhere from 1.5 gigawatts, maybe even up to 1.8, but a very significant amount shut off in Texas for exactly when they needed it most. It was almost certainly a huge, huge part of them maintaining reliability and not having blackouts. Uh, I, I could pretty much guarantee that if that 1.5 gigawatts plus didn't shut off in Texas, uh, and then stay off, a lot of it for most of the weekend, um, they wouldn't have been as successful. And the con- the, you know, the reason I have so much confidence is that is because other states, like my state, Cal- uh, North Carolina, we only had a few hundred megawatts, a couple hundred megawatts of Bitcoin mining to shut off. And we, we that wasn't enough. And we ended up having historic blackouts uh, for the first time in their hundred year history. Duke Energy had to curti- or shut down people's power on Christmas, when they're opening their presents, on the coldest day of the year. And so you just say, okay, well, I also know that if Bitcoin, if uh, Duke Energy had had 500 megawatts more of Bitcoin mining or, you know, 500 to a gigawatt more of Bitcoin mining on the system that would have shut down just like it did in Texas, North Carolina would have also been able to avoid blackouts. It's just the dynamics of, of what was going on at the time. And, Uh, So you just see how real it is, how beneficial it is. And so then you have to ask yourself, okay, why? Why was there this legislation in a seemingly very pro-Bitcoin mining state like Texas coming out of nowhere with a lot of political support to artificially and arbitrarily limit Bitcoin mining's ability to participate and provide these services, these uh, balancing services back to the grid? And, you know, what, what you're left with coming, what you're left with is Well, that was a market. That was a competitive market, providing these services to the grid in Texas. And that existed well before Bitcoin mining did. And, you know, who was providing those services? Well, it was a lot of natural gas peaker plants that were providing these services back to the grid. So you build billions of dollars worth of peaker plants and then you'd have them just sitting there on standby waiting for ERCOT, the uh, Electric Reliability Council of Texas, to uh signal them to, to ramp up when they needed the extra energy. And then, so uh, it was probably a pretty good business. But <laughs> you can probably tell where the story's going. Bitcoin mining shows up, says, oh yeah, yeah that, that's interesting. We can do that a lot quicker, a lot better, a lot faster, for longer, and for less. And so as far as I have been told, basically the floor in that market, the price just you know collapsed. like Bitcoin mining basically drank, their milkshake of providing ancillary services back to the grid. And we're talking about, you know, like maybe Berkshire Hathaway, maybe these other very large players. Uh, Carlos Slim owns the Natural Gas Pipelines. There's a lot of dynamics into uh, those pipelines. They, they serve, they go down into Mexico, they're coming out of Western Texas. And, you know, there's, uh, it's hard to explain quickly. Uh, there's a, an article, Level 39, uh, on Twitter has great, great research into this. I, I helped him with this. There's an article in Bitcoin Mining Magazine. Maybe we can link it to your disc- show notes. Yeah, for sure. But he goes through this. And what you see is that basically, long story short, Bitcoin Mining came in and totally wiped out their market in all the right ways. Like they were providing more value to all the grids, all the, all the rate ratepayers, the grid participants in Texas for less. Right, and that's what everybody wants in a competitive market. The one that can provide this the service the best and for the least, they should win. Well, that's why it wasn't. That's why these guys couldn't have it. And it just so happens the owner of these pipelines, whose prices and revenues are also affected by the price of gas, which is affected by how much peaker plants are used or not. Yeah, um, he happens to be Carlos Slim, <sighs> one of the richest people in the world. Right, hey Carlos, how's it going? <laughs> um, and he, uh, you know, just happens to be one of the largest private shareholders of the New York Times. Interesting. So when this legislation gets pushed into Texas, expedited, like they go out of their way to make sure it can pass as quickly as possible. They clear the ways with procedural uh, uh, tactics, uh, which you can get into in the article, Um Guess what happens at the same time this legislation is being pushed in Texas?
0: A giant negative article in New York
1: Times is pushed out, huh? About Bitcoin mining in yeah. Texas and how much, how bad it is for the state and this and that. So, you know, eh, that's all just conjecture. I don't know. I haven't talked mm. to Carlos. I'm sure he would never do anything like that. And I'm sure the New York Times is as well, you know, their integrity would not allow for them to participate in something like that. But at the end of the day, the good news is that the bill died. It's no more. We will not have artificial caps on the ability of Bitcoin mining to participate in these competitive markets. Like that's the whole point of Texas. It's deregulated. It's supposed to be a competitive energy marketplace. That's why the energy is so cheap most of the time. And so, you know, I think what we're going to continue to see is uh, Bitcoin mining show up and, and provide resiliency to the grid in all the best ways possible. And You know, like I was alluding to earlier with the fact that maybe you don't need to control people's thermostats anymore. Maybe you don't need to control when they can charge their cars anymore because you have Bitcoin mining. Uh, Maybe we don't need uh, gas beaker power plants anymore. Sorry. Sorry, Warren. Uh, You might want to maybe invest more in Coca-Cola or something. But, uh, you know, that's really what we saw. And um, so that got quashed. That's good to see. Um, And then, you you know, you saw that the 30 percent tax proposal on electricity use come out of the White House. That one got smacked in the face and killed really quickly. That was good to see. That actually came. The opposition came from a friend of ours, a congressman in Ohio, uh, Warren Davidson. You should throw him some support. His his uh, his political capital is our support. He was the one that led the charge during the debt ceiling negotiations to eliminate that 30 percent tax on miners. Which would have been which would have been a death a death sentence for any type of uh, on grid non guerrilla non black market mining they would have been gone um, and so it was great to see someone uh, a congressman from Ohio lead the, the opposition to that and have it I mean we really didn't hear a whole lot of conversation about the fight because I think they just did such a good job he, whatever coalition he organized just marched straight up to probably kevin mccarthy's office and maybe elizabeth warren and maybe even biden himself and said no like it's <laughs> not gonna happen yeah. so uh i think there's a lot of positive a lot of positive tailwinds right now with bitcoin mining uh and it's really exciting to see and i think you're gonna the opponents of it including the new york times including elizabeth warren they're if they keep it up they're just gonna get they're just gonna wear themselves out and uh they're gonna look foolish and uh the proof is in the pudding you're gonna see bitcoin mining start to bring back these rural communities all across america providing reliability to the grid i mean just like bop, bop, it's just endless all the positives of bitcoin mining and it's unstoppable so
0: yeah i mean that's great stuff and, uh, and i love that rant too i mean just oh was about that a it. rant sorry guys <laughs> no man no, that's what these are for though right i mean but i mean Like I want to kind of stay on like the political aspect of things because seems like you have great insight on that. Last year it seemed like 2022 that was like kind of the year for politicians to, I guess, somewhat make a name for themselves on Twitter, going onto Bitcoin Twitter spaces and kind of saying like, "Hey, I'm pro Bitcoin." But you could always like kind of fish out some of the, you know, uh, I guess, real Bitcoin believers and then you know people who are just there kind of grifting. But I mean, we just had Bitcoin Miami. Right, we had Robert Kennedy Jr. and then Vivek. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name, but two presidential candidates come up and speak at that opposite conference. parties. Yeah, opposite parties and and an independent with
1: Tulsi Gabbard.
0: Yeah, and like yeah, I mean, so it's like Republican, Democratic, and independent. Right, so we have political candidates in all different parties. And, uh, you know, it seems like Ron DeSantis even got on an Elon Musk Twitter space and mentioned Bitcoin. You can do Positively, do yeah. Bitcoin, right? Yeah. I, like I mean, th- yeah, I like him a lot, too. I am mean, I'm a Florida guy, right? So but I mean, regardless, it seems like that's going to be a new, I guess, talking point when it comes to debates. Um, it's going to be on the ballot, whether it's going to be, you know, one out of four candidates or you know, one out of 20, or even one out of two, I don't really know how the next year and a half ish is going to play out. But definitely seems like that's going to be a talking point. It's going to create a divide, right? So how are you going to look at, I guess, a candidate, whether it's, um, you know, Bitcoin positive, Bitcoin negative. um, And just like in general, I mean, you don't have to tell us whether you vote one way or the other. But it seems like they're going to try to create like almost like make Bitcoiners a, a one issue kind of voter. And that's the one thing that kind of worries me going forward. It's like, all right, you know, obviously Bitcoin's like the solution for a lot of the problems, but if they want to give us Bitcoin, but then potentially like all these other, um, you know, policies that they have are like more controlling. I feel like that's kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing so to speak. So I guess uh, in your eyes, what what's, I guess, uh, the way you're looking at, these new pol like these politicians starting to get into I guess the Bitcoin sphere so to speak.
1: Yeah, well I think and that's a big that's a big topic. That's fun. That's a, a whole nother rant. Um, yeah.
0: no I think I think first and
1: foremost when you have a politician of any stripe speak intelligently and seemingly passionately about Bitcoin mining or no well Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining it, it undoubtedly has to be a good thing, right? Because whether they believe it or not, uh, getting that message out to people that wouldn't normally be exposed to Bitcoin content, having it come from a politician, that that to me can't be anything but positive. Now, um, you know, I think that the it will be important. It's got to be important for people that are, are voting uh, that if you, you know, Bitcoin should be it's going to be high on my list. Like, I feel as though I could never bring myself to vote for a candidate that's that's anti Bitcoin. Um, Or if it's a between a candidate that doesn't have a position and a candidate that does, um, you know, clearly, I'm going to be a lot more interested in a candidate that has something intelligent and interesting to say about Bitcoin uh, from a positive perspective. I think the good news here is that we can make Bitcoin be single issue voters, but we're not necessarily locking them into one particular political ideology, right? Like you wanna be a single issue Bitcoin voter from a democratic perspective, boom, you got RFK Jr. You're more of an independent kind of quasi-libertarian, what have you, boom, you got Tulsi -Tulsi Gabbard. You're more of a a Republican bent, uh, but you're a Bitcoin voter, boom, you've got someone like Ron DeSantis. you know, I think it's really important. People should definitely not overlook if a candidate has something, certainly they have something negative to say about Bitcoin. Um, I, I would have a hard time finding myself to vote for anybody that has anything negative to say about Bitcoin, regardless of the rest of their policies. And then I would say here, kind of getting back to what you're saying about, is, is, is Bitcoin maybe like the, the Trojan horse or the wolf in sheep's clothing to bring in these other you know, negative policies? That, that could be one way to look at it. I think that um, that concern, though, to me doesn't seem um, worth overshadowing maybe what I was just talking about previously. Uh, because I would actually say it's probably more reverse. Like, if they, if they legitimately bring Bitcoin into the political sphere, into their policies, and into the, the, the country as a whole, you know, yeah, maybe there's some other policies that they also bring in. It's hard to imagine that that person's promoting a CBDC. So I think we can almost yeah. just by definition take that off the table. But even if they have like abortion issues or gun issues or, or, uh, welfare issues or, you know, renewable energy issues, whatever side you're on, if they, ha- if that's coming along with them, then. I think, okay, to me, I'd be willing to deal with that because I think that's more short-lived. The Bitcoin, when they bring that in, the Bitcoin's almost certainly going to take root and stay and get its tentacles out into everything. And that, by definition, will start to curtail all the other stuff. I mean, that's how I understand Bitcoin, right? You separate the money from state. You separate the state's ability to indefinitely fund itself and expand itself from it. And now... It's just going to start to shrink. So, for example, the conversation about El Salvador, right? Like, is Bukele a dictator? Is it? Is it a net negative that he's that he's in this position that he is? I personally don't. I'm just saying what people say. I yeah. Don't, uh, you know. But the fact of the matter is, regardless of what how you feel about Bukele, with Bitcoin coming in, he's given Bitcoin to the people. As far as I can tell, it seems to be legitimate, and you know. At some point, if he becomes maybe let's just say he's a benevolent dictator right now, like he's the good guy doing everything right. But maybe maybe he puts things in place to where his son or his wife or whoever comes into power later and they're not as great as he was, blah, blah, blah. The people already have the Bitcoin. Yeah. You'll never be able to take that. I mean, you know, and what we, what can we do with Bitcoin? Well, yeah, you can vote for a Bitcoin candidate, but then you vote with your wallet and then you can vote with your feet. And so at the end of the day, if, an, if a, a candidate of any persuasion is empowering their people or the people of their jurisdiction or their country or their state with Bitcoin. Even if things go sideways with that person or that politician, which maybe undoubtedly they will. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you've got the you've got the Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? And, and that's that's where we're at right now anyway. So it's just about expanding the tent bringing more people in. And I, I think that all net-net, it's a huge positive. Couldn't be more excited. And then, you know, with RFK Jr., to have his release, his his uh, his presidential, announcing his presidential candidacy at Bitcoin, yeah. My, Miami, I mean, that's huge. Uh, and, you know, hopefully there'll be some debates between him and Biden and whoever else. Uh, we can only hope. Yeah. Uh, That'd be great because obviously Bitcoin is going to be a huge uh, issue for him, it seems. And then hopefully Ron DeSantis, there clearly is going to be debates on the Republican side. So very excited to see uh, Ron DeSantis and other candidates distinguish themselves from the rest of the stage with something like Bitcoin. That's going to be a very, very powerful message.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, I like I said, I, I think like there's definitely going to be some sort of aspect or some sort of discussion around Bitcoin when it comes to a lot of these debates, right? Whether it's, hey, I don't even know what, what that is, <laughs> or it's like, you know, we got RFK going up there and like, you know, giving that great speech that he did at Bitcoin Miami, I think that was probably one of the more talked about speeches that I heard. Uh, Rightfully or, so. Yeah, uh, when it came to the conference. So, um, I mean, overall, I just think, yeah, like it's it's going to be a talking point and it's something for Bitcoiners to kind of look out for. But, you know, whether a political candidate is talking about Bitcoin one way, shape or the other, I, I just want to like, I don't know. And for me, I everything's like, good for Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I, I think it's <laughs> good. But I also think like you also shouldn't like jump right. forward and be like, this is the best thing ever, because I don't really trust politicians Just in myself. So I, I don't know. I mean, I like like you see like Texas, for example, right? We just talked about the Bitcoin mining bill. And how that, like, Texas seemingly was very pro-Bitcoin. Ooh. And then all of a sudden, this bill tries to get snuck through. And then it's like, what the hell is going on? I mean, I think you just always got to follow the incentives in a certain yep. aspect. But I want to get back to Bitcoin mining specifically because this has been a very interesting time where it's like kind of like the first bear market, um, you know, that we've seen the hash rate kind of continually into- increase. Yeah, And we saw a lot of miners get crushed when, you know, the... Uh, Bitcoin price fell to like $4,000 in the COVID crash. Uh, And then like after it was running up and got to 69 and now has come down to around 25K, we've seen a lot of miners who got over leveraged and, you know, borrowed, whether it was against their mining machines or the Bitcoin that they mined and, you know, end up failing. So I think Bitcoin mining as a like industry is kind of in a unique state. Where the ones that have survived now have maybe provided some, resi- uh, proved that they're resilient in some way, shape, or form and are able to kind of position themselves well for the next bull run. But it's also hard to, I guess, project in a sense, like, are these miners going to FOMO in again? Like, are they going to think like, "Hey, this next bull run, we're going to get to 500k or yeah. you know, 420,000 because we hit 69 on the last go. one." Yeah. Oh, you we know, I mean, we, we yeah. I mean, if that happens, we're definitely in the simul- simulation. That's, sure. that's I got to get out and <laughs> get it out there. I mean, if we go from 69 to 420, I mean, oh, oh man, God. the memes would be incredible on Twitter. That would be. I don't know if I could get myself to get offline at that point. But um, in your eyes, how do you? You feel about I guess, the overall just general state of Bitcoin mining industry? Yeah. Well, just so slight delay there, but we were getting basically ripping and rolling at the overall state of the Bitcoin mining industry. You were going into the politicians. Don't trust. Verify. So I'll leave it there.
1: Yeah. So this current state of play with mining, you're right. Hash rate it continues to touch all time highs. Uh, it's been it's been on a tear. Uh, you know, basically since the China ban, uh, almost two years ago now, uh, I think it dropped down to like, you know, maybe around it went from like 160 exa down to 90 or 80 or something, basically cut in half. And then, and then now it's been just on a steady trajectory upwards. And it's always an estimate; you never know for sure. There's no like actual ticker that tracks everything, but estimated to be right around 360. Well, let me pull it up real quick, but. You know, basically at all time highs. And uh, let me see here real quick. Time chain calendar is a great place to yeah. find real time stats. Yeah, 371 uh, is the estimated exahash right now for the global network. So getting close to 400 here, which is just crazy to think of even a year ago. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. The miners that you see now in the industry have proved resiliency. We're well capitalized with smart capital. Uh, and weren't over levered some some did YOLO in like Celsius go figure right yeah Uh, so you know just for example you had companies um, taking out leverage on miners or other leverage to get miners at 110 dollars a terahash or so which at the time made sense because you were getting 65 cents a kilowatt hour for your bitcoin uh, going through the miner Um, well then things changed and now now you can now that same miner is probably worth like 17, 15 dollars a terahash, and you're getting 12 cents a kilowatt hour for your going through the ASIC. And it was even lower when Bitcoin was below 20. Wow. Um and so so the you know, it, it I think it has strengthened the industry right now. The people that are left uh were were doing all the right things the right way. Um and I think are pretty pretty stable now. You're probably not going to see a whole lot more capitulation in the mining industry unless we see a huge drawdown in price. You know, Bitcoin goes to 15K or 10K again for, you know, a month or two. That that could put a lot of stress on some people. But I, I still think the ones that are here now could probably weather that storm. But, um, you know, now you have people also getting into the market and they're getting in, you know, building in the bear market. And I'm a firm believer in that. And so whether you're a home miner that you want to add to your stack of ASICs, now's a great time, or or you're, or you're a small business miner or even the large scale ones, they're getting in now and they're getting those ASICs. The same ones that were $110 a terahash uh, a year and a half ago are now, you know, you can get them for under $20 a terahash. And, you know, the real issue you're going to have is finding capacity. Where are you going to plug these things in? and cheap energy. A lot of that, a lot of those spots, the reason these miners survived is because they had good spots. They had good energy contracts and they had reliable energy. And so, um, you know, we've got 1.2 gigawatts available in Ohio. So if you uh, have 20 megawatts of capital that you want to deploy, Ohio's a great spot. My DMs are open, but um, we're gonna see that. And then I think just more broadly, what it speaks to is undoubtedly, you know, what did Russia start doing with the gas once Nord Stream got blown up? Uh, well, they're probably mining it in Siberia. Uh, we, you know, we heard Bhutan is building out. They've been doing it for a while now, but they're, they're expanding their operations with mining from uh, hydro. Paraguay is getting into hydro. Uh, tons of places in South America. You have El Salvador, uh, probably North Korea. I mean, everywhere, I think you're starting to see nation states, Iran, Iran. Um, they're undoubtedly mining Bitcoin as well. Or, or you've heard about the Gulf states, uh, UAE or uh, just announced, I think it was them. It was one of the Gulf states. They're gonna be doing a 500 megawatt immersion project. Just, I mean, that's huge. Like yeah. we just powered up at our facility, 50, five, zero, 50 megawatts of immersion. It's coming online this month. It's the first out of the 1.2 gigawatts. Um, that's the biggest in the country. That I've heard of I could be wrong, but if it's not it's up there and and then UAE or whoever's doing 500 megawatts of immersion I mean just how cool is that? But yeah, the hash rate is not going to stop. It's going to keep going Uh, so hopefully there's a corresponding rise in uh, Bitcoin price to or or transaction fees to to uh yeah pump my bags with your jpegs (laughs) pump pump my fees yeah but uh just don't scam people i guess i don't know i don't know if those can go hand in hand or not but um yeah i don't see a slow i don't see hash rate slowing down anytime soon the projects i know of that are coming online including our own uh plus the nation state adoption which is just obvious um network's never been stronger right and i think I think maybe that's the main takeaway too. Is it's not just hash rate, it's it's wallets, mm-hmm. it's wallets of any size. You see wallets with less than point 0.1 Bitcoin are stacking just huge amounts on the you know maybe the DCA army, right? You got wallets with one or more Bitcoin at all time highs. I think we finally crested over a million mm. everywhere. Like Lightning nodes, uh, Bitcoin nodes, everywhere you look, the network is just. Ultra sound. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. There we go. I mean, and that's like, you know, I think that's the understatement of the year. You can't like emphasize that enough. It's like Bitcoin's been floating around for to 20, 25, 30K, you know, not maybe really, down to fifteen. Yeah, maybe down to 15, but whatever. This 15 to 30K range. So it hasn't seen what has gotten the publicity on like CNBC showing the charts like, you know, Skyrocket, Moon and whatever. Like people are not FOMOing in right now to bitcoin but you're seeing tremendous amounts of building on uh, whether it's like lightning companies coming online uh bitcoin mining companies i know of people that are you know working on home mining whether it's to utilize a water heater uh with bitcoin miners or- i hated my home my
1: three-story townhome in charlotte all winter with uh seven kilowatts of Toasters in
0: my, in my garage. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then you lost all that in a boating <laughs> yeah, accident. Too, I never right? had it. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't know how
1: to set up the wall. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um, all this great building going on. So I'm going to wrap it up with one final question. Podcast is called State of Bitcoin. So, in your eyes, what is the current state of Bitcoin?
1: uh Supreme. Yeah supreme yeah. like the brand is that is that
0: what we're gonna have to have like the bitcoin supreme logo is that like new uh i don't know new merch ideas or something? a lot
1: of I words gotta... flew through my mind and that's the one that came out of my mouth no i think that i think that yeah the state of bitcoin right now is, is it's just everywhere you look like what we were just saying it's it's just prove that's just proving itself to be what we all understood it to be and expected it to be it's just it's happening right in front of our eyes and it's gonna it's gonna separate money from state. It's gonna provide property rights to everyone on the globe that are unconfiscatable, and uh, financial services that are necessary to people that have never had them before, and and it's just sitting there in this uh, v- incredibly strong all time high state that
0: uh, is untouchable. Maybe that's another word. Yeah,
1: supremely untouchable. <laughs>
0: there we go. Yeah, I love it. All right, Justin. Well, thanks so much for joining me here today and coming into town for the Sound Money and Sound Food Festival here at Bitcoin Bay. Uh, so for those who uh, don't know you or whatever, why don't you tell them where they could find you on Twitter and what all you got going on?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. got a, a Orkney5. I, I, I'm i not too active. I do a lot of spaces um, and I send out some tweets every now and then. I mostly troll solar bros uh, to talk about nuclear energy. Um and then I'm on I'm on the Orangeville app as well, so I like that. Uh, but but yeah, my DMs are open. I love to love to make connections. Happy to answer any questions. Uh, invite me to a space if you have it. Uh, and and let's go. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, of
0: course, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes, so you guys be sure to check out Justin and the great things he's got going on. We're out.